Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 114. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about reflections on your learning. What's on your playlist? If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out my posts at williamdparker.com. My mother-in-law has Alzheimer's. The condition began about 10 years ago when we thought she was simply becoming more forgetful. But as her short-term memory declined, we realized she wasn't just suffering from aging. Over the years, she has lost her ability to recognize her own children and grandchildren at times. And she forgets whether or not her parents are still living, even though they passed away more than 30 years ago. On Sunday afternoons, we like to take our children to visit grandma at the memory care center where she now lives. And we keep an electric piano in her room because she loves playing and singing hymns. And when I visit, I like to sit at the keys, open a hymnal. And as soon as my fingers touch the keys, she joins in and doesn't miss a beat. She can remember the tunes and words of her favorite songs. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We will sing one song after another. I'm not a brain scientist, but I have studied learning styles and child development, and memorization is often easiest when combined with music. It works for children and adults, and apparently it works for my mother-in-law with Alzheimer's too. And research actually confirms that it is good practice for brain engagement to combine memory with music. Occasionally, my daughter Katie, who's a high school freshman, We'll drive with me together to see Grandma. And Katie has a great playlist on her iPhone. She tags her playlists with different titles, but one she calls Dad's Playlist. And it's a compilation of mostly acoustic or musical numbers. And on our drives over, she turns up the volume in the car and we sing along. One of our favorites is from the musical Greatest Showman with Zac Efron and Zendaya singing Rewrite the Stars. And as fun as it is to connect with Katie through music or with Grandma through music, can I ask you a question this week? What's on your playlist? And I don't just mean the music or the songs that you enjoy turning to, but how are you filling up your mind with information? What are you regularly engaging with your brain? You know that your brain is a powerful organ. And just as digesting nutritious food tends toward better health, what you digest with your mind shapes your view of yourself, the world around you, and it forms lifelong habits and memories. So in this series of Reflections for School Leaders, this week I want to explore with you, how are you encountering information with your mind? How are you influencing your learning? In a world of constant access to technology, advertisements, news, and information, our brains encounter stimuli at alarming rates. In an article by FastCompany.com, Daniel J. Leventon shares the following, and I quote, Information scientists have quantified that in 2011, Americans took in five times as much information every day as they did in 1986, the equivalent of 174 newspapers. 
He continues, During leisure time, not counting work, each of us processes 34 gigabytes or 100,000 words every day. The world's 21,274 television stations produce 85,000 hours of original programming every day as we watch an average of five hours of television daily, the equivalent of 20 gigabytes of audio video images. And then he concludes, that's not counting YouTube, which uploads 6,000 hours of video every hour. And computer gaming, it consumes more bytes than all other media put together, including DVDs, TVs, books, magazines, and the internet, end quote. So here's my question. How do we ensure that the intake coming into our brain is as healthy as what we digest with our bodies? Because frankly, if we want to keep growing in our own critical thinking and reasoning, then we have to be proactive in what's going into our own mental playlist. So here are four areas that I would like to reflect on with you as a way to regulate the information that you intake. And just as I've said before, these are not prescriptions for the way you control your learning, but they're examples from my own practice that may be helpful for you. So number one, your mindset. Now, mindfulness has become a buzzword of late. It's an important way for many people to guide their thoughts, practice meditation, or increase self-awareness and stress relief. Although those are healthy practices, when I talk about being mindful, I'm simply talking about being aware of your present and being purposeful in engaging your environment. Now, I don't do this all the time, but let me give you an example. When you're spending time in a classroom or an observation, instead of simply relying on a rubric or an evaluation model, take time to simply be mindful. Look at your environment. Stare into the faces of children. Watch whether or not they're engaged. Be aware of your own interactions with others, even in the small moments. Ask yourself these questions. Are you treating others with concern and interest, or are you acting as if they don't exist? Are you asking clarifying questions to others so that you understand what's really happening? Are you being aware of each moment so that it can be an important one of learning or of understanding. And this applies inside and outside of school. The other day, for instance, I was driving on a highway when I saw a railroad bridge suspended above the road. A freight train was speeding across, and as I approached, I realized I was in an amazing moment. I was sitting in a 2,000-pound steel and aluminum-wrapped machine, rolling forward by use of a combustible engine encased intricately with engineered parts and carried on four rubber tires. And as I was gliding across an asphalt road, I would soon pass under a metal bridge holding the weight of several freight train cars, each possibly weighing over 200,000 pounds. Now, it took seconds for me to generate those thoughts as I was driving along. And as I continued down the road, I was thinking to myself, what would my great-grandfather have thought of this moment? He'd come to Oklahoma on a cattle run in the early 1900s and met my grandmother at a boarding house of a Baptist minister. And when he married the minister's daughter, they returned back to Tennessee in a horse-drawn wagon. Could he have ever imagined traveling at 65 miles per hour in an automobile simultaneously passing under a speeding freight train? Now, why do I share this kind of example of mindfulness? Well, because at that moment, even as weird as I am, I was choosing to acknowledge the realities and perspectives that we so easily ignore in the fast-paced modern world in which we live. Being aware of your surroundings, simply stopping and just being mindful allows you to slow 
some moments, to appreciate the meaning of moments, and to experience life more than simply going through the motions. So number one, how's your mindset? Number two, your reading. Now, if you look at my nightstand or on my iPhone, you're going to find books. Uh, just this past week, I finished Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. I've read it before, but I was interested in reading and enjoying some fiction again. I listened to the audiobook The Wright Brothers by David McCullough. What are the ways that you are purposefully engaging your mind with what you read? And although I enjoy reading or listening to education books, I try to keep a book of fiction or historical fiction or biography on hand because stories provide a wealth of information about the experiences that others have encountered. And reading allows you to take a deeper step into the mind of someone else. Often their perspective or their logic can give you a new or deeper understanding of your own. Now, my practice is just one example, but here's what my days look like. Normally, I have a morning routine that includes a passage from the Bible. I usually digest some audio content on my commute to work. Later, I may take in the news or a podcast on my drive home. At night, I try to read some before bed in a book of fiction or historical narrative. Now, over the years, that's looked different depending on the stresses and times of my life. But I can tell you this, that my life has been influenced by the valuable lessons I've seen in the lives of others, like listening to the wisdom of George Washington's biography or Frederick Douglass's autobiography or experiencing new cultures from people like Amy Tan or Chinua Achebe or surviving death camp narratives with Cory Ten Boone or Louis Zepperini or crying and laughing with Catherine Stockett or grieving and lamenting with George Orwell's sad political narrative. Whatever your favorite genre, books are a great way to enter the minds and lives of others and as a result, change your own thinking. So, how's your reading? Number three, your professional development. Just as important as it is to expand your mind through great literature, I also believe you should be growing by encountering the experiences of other strong education leaders. And for years, I've sometimes felt guilty when I've had the opportunity to attend a workshop or a conference or engage in great professional development. But as I've sat through sometimes required trainings with mixed results, I've also been able to learn about topics that immediately influence my work. And I have found that learning from others in professional development is such a powerful way for growth. Now, the advantage of technology is your ability to access information immediately, like in this podcast or through a webinar or through a video. So make a commitment to engage with topics that you currently manage and then find great professional development. I'll give you an example. Solution Tree's professional learning communities. Obviously, I'm a Solution Tree author, but I love their PD because it's practical and you can take immediate action on what you're learning from the experiences of others. Or subscribe to podcasts, not just my own, but others like Justin Bader's or Jethro Jones or Daniel Bauer, who consistently engage and interview education experts across the world. Or consider ways to engage in powerful professional development by touring a neighboring school and looking for evidence of best practices. Or talking to colleagues about ways that they solve the problems that they're encountering. Or attending professional development within your district or in other states, 
or even thinking of starting your own podcast or you're writing your own blog or beginning your own webinar series. All of these ways are ways for you to take advantage of learning and growing as a professional. So how's your professional development? And last, number four, your experiences. Like all good teachers know, experience is the best teacher, but we often fail to learn deeply when we fail to reflect on our own experiences as school leaders. When I began blogging five years ago, I found it was a great way for me to journal and catalog ideas and steps and lessons I was learning from my experience as a school administrator. And each time you encounter a new or old situation, you have the privilege to gauge what is working and what is not working. Your experience provides you with an amazing cycle. And a few years ago, these ideas came home to me when I attended a workshop with the author Pete Hall, who was teaching on the continuum of self-reflection. And Pete teaches that you have a natural process and experience that allows you to continuously grow. And this works in education and in every field. But it requires you to practice awareness of your experience, reflecting on your successes and failures, taking action based on the lessons you're learning, and then refining your practice based on those cycles of learning. You can grow your capacity for learning by digesting information from other people's experiences, but your own experiences provide a powerful way for you to assess and measure and refine and apply those lessons as you continue to grow. It reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where he teaches that people tend to master skill with 10,000 hours of engagement or practice. So even as you are experiencing the ups and downs in your own school leadership practice, just remember that you're moving closer to mastery every time you work, every time you engage, and every time you have an experience, as long as you're taking an opportunity to be aware of that, to assess the information, to evaluate what you're learning, and then to apply those lessons and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So how are you taking advantage of your experiences as a way to influence your thinking? So let's wrap this up. I find a lot of joy in knowing that I can connect with my daughter or my mother-in-law or others through their own unique playlists. And sometimes I wonder what memories or thoughts will be deeply embedded in my mind as I grow older. None of us has the guarantee of healthy brains as we age. We just don't. But we do have a choice over the kind of information, thoughts, stories, music, and ideas that we think about every day. So as you purposefully influence your thoughts through being mindful or digesting great books or enjoying great professional development or reflecting on your experiences, you are adding to your own playlist of ideas to live by, and you increase your ability to keep positively influencing others when you do. So now it's your turn. All of us enjoy learning from others who stay fresh in their own intellectual growth. So as you take the next step, investing in your own thinking, others will benefit from your awareness, your lessons, and your experiences. So what are some ways that you're purposefully engaging in the healthy practices of your own thinking? How can you be more mindful this week of the people and places and situations where you are? What books or great reads will you encounter for your own growth? And how can you take advantage of workshops or professional development? And then finally, what ways can you practice cycles of reflection on your practice and experience? Because when you do, you'll be better prepared to continuously 
influence those around you because what you do matters. I hope that's been helpful. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. If you're interested in my books, Principal Matters or Messaging Matters, you can find them there or at amazon.com. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can find me at Twitter at my handle at williamdp or Instagram at william underscore d underscore parker or shoot me an email anytime at my email address will at williamdparker.com. Until next time, thanks for reflecting on lessons in leadership Thanks for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you soon.